Good morning. And welcome into the Blitz. A victorious Thursday morning. Feels great to be coming in this Thursday morning. Couldn't ask for really a better morning. Between the between the the weather in the 60s and the big old W over the number 1 team in the country. Could not ask for a better Thursday morning. February 16th, 10 a.m. to noon. We'll be with you for the next two hours getting into your lunch break on this Friday, Junior. Charlie Collier here. Sam Beard. Whew. What a win. What a What a win. win. Tennessee. I mean, they, they own the state of Alabama. Yep. They own the University of Alabama. Oh, how the tide has turned. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, like how the tide's turned. Took two out of three in baseball. Going back to last year. Took two out of three in baseball. Uh, then said, hey, you know what? You're a third baseman there. That guy, you know, Zane Denton. Um, I think I want him to. Uh, come on, little brother. Hand it over. Hand it over. We'll take your third baseman. Uh, so we took their third baseman, you know, after we took their souls away uh, in, in that baseball series, and then promptly followed that up with a nice little, well, everyone knows, bloodbath, Chase McGrath, 52-49. And now last night, hey, we'll take your number one ranking too. We already, we already took away your undefeated football season. We already took away your, your, your all-conference third baseman. We took away... You know, two out of three in baseball. Hey, yeah, that that number one, that number one ranking you got there, that shiny new number one sitting right next to your name. You just got it. It's real cute, real pretty. Uh, only the second time you ever had it in the history of your program. The other time you, you finished under 500 the rest of the way. Well, not off to a great start. We'll take that. We'll take that right back. Give it away. Give it away to Purdue or Houston or somebody else. But it's not for you, Alabama. Because you're not coming into TBA and leaving with a W. Uh, what a beautiful night. And Alabama fans are in shambles. Yeah. Shambles. Yeah. Between, between the program domination and really just the the realization, I think, that you know they're starting to come to, too, that Dixieland Delight really kind of is our song. They were just borrowing it. Mm. Um, when it started, play, it started playing in TBA after the yeah. game. Woo. You knew that it was going to happen. Oh, yeah. I, I wish they would have started playing it uh, like 20 seconds left in the game. Yeah. Once it was imminent. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah just... Or we started singing it. Yeah, it was uh, – it's it's getting real easy, you know? It's getting really easy. It's, it's just easy kind of us. It's just kind of nice to be able to walk into the arena and, you know, see a, see a poor fella in, in Crimson Tide, and then it's just – oh. You know you're gonna lose tonight. Hey, at least buddy. you guys it's, have football. Oh wait, no, you don't have. Football. Oh no, you don't well, have least, that. You know, at least you guys have your shiny Sugar Bowl win. <laughs> you know, you have uh, you have your your fancy, you know, top ten draft picks this year. Congrats. You guys can you can still brag about that if you really want to hang something over Tennessee's head. You guys are gonna have two picks in the first ten rounds, and and you know we're gonna have. Or, I mean, the first ten picks are gonna have two players. We're gonna have. You know, hopefully two players in the first round in total. So fine, 
You guys can have that, Alabama. Congratulations. You have something over the University of Tennessee. It's not much. You know, we have you in football and baseball and basketball. And how are we doing in the other sports, too? You know, if we're, we're dominating across the board, like across the board? Or... I don't know. I would I would assume we're beating them in that, too. I mean, we got the big ones. I don't... Yeah, I just don't think... I don't think they can beat us in anything at this point. I don't think they're ever going to beat us again. They might not. Uh, I, I do not think that... Yeah, I, I just don't think that, that Alabama will ever beat Tennessee again as long as we're alive for the rest of time <laughs> in any sport ever. <laughs> Hypo was in the building. He seemed like he just... Uh, beat him in women's basketball too. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Dab. Um. Don't play him in baseball this year, though. That's. Do we really not play him in baseball? No. Uh, Maybe we can get him in Hoover. Yeah, I was actually just about to ask when do we play him in baseball. So that, yeah, we that can we can whip him up in in Hoover if they if they even make it to Hoover. You yeah, know, I don't. I'd love a series with him though, and just sweep him on the series. And we could just sweep them in everything. Yeah, I would too. Would really love the, that. Uh, the third Saturday in February. There's something <laughs> about February fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. It was February fifteenth. Yeah, something about the fifteenth. And the fifteenth of months. Beating the, beating, yeah, beating yeah. The fifteenth of months are are always good, but in general, February fifteenth, big days. Uh, Jonas Adu, dog. That's a guy that loves February February fifteenth. Two best games of his entire career, arguably, have been on February fifteenth. Last night, easily the best game of his career. But I would say that last year on February fifteenth against Kentucky, uh, maybe the second best game of his career. The way he was able to defend in that one and score. Um, Keep that in mind for next year. I guess next year, February 15th, will be a Thursday. Maybe he's just a lover at heart, you know? Coming off Valentine's Day, he's feeling he's real just, yeah, full, of, full of love and joy. An emotional and, high for him. Yeah, and he can just play some good basketball. Let's see. Next February, the 15th, is a Thursday. But could end up playing on Valentine's Day, which maybe I mean, would make him even more powerful. Yeah, who knows how good he could play at that point. He might be dropping... 24 and 20 so just keep that in mind when tennessee plays on either february 13th or february 14th uh 2024 just know that like jonas adu is going to have a big day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um man what a day what a day that really couldn't have asked for a better day yesterday i i mean i we got full swing on netflix yep i started watching a lot of that i, I watched some this morning um I think I grilled the best steak I've ever grilled yesterday. Yeah, that looked good. I looked like good. I, I can grill a good steak, but I don't know. Maybe just like they're never bad, but but it all came together yesterday and created perfection. I, I I guess the steak gods were looking out for me. It was a big, just thick filet mignon, a big boy. No, that was a when you sent that picture, I was like, wow. It was that it was one nice. of the bigger that filet nice. mignons I've ever seen in my life. And and it was just perfect. It was perfect. All on like a little crappy Hamilton Beach indoor grill that's been around for like six years too. Indoor grill? Yeah, just a little indoor like like a grill pan. Or no, like, like a, 
Like it has like grates and everything. It's like one of those like. But it's indoors. You plug it into the wall. Really? Yeah. Oh, like a like a George Foreman. Yeah, just Hamilton Beach. Okay. I, I, I mean, yeah, kind of like a George Foreman, basically. Yeah. You know. I didn't like, really think about doing a steak on those, but sounds pretty good. I grill everything on it. I grill chicken and steak and pork chops and burgers and you know whatever else I need to grill. Really, I mean, do you it does. struggle with surface area? Sometimes, but like not not terribly. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I cooked thirty burgers on it one year. At once? No, not at once. I was gonna say, my God, that that would. I mean, that you'd need seven. Yeah, at least. At least, maybe ten. You can. I think you can get I, I, a decent sized burger. You can get like five or six on them. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But made like the best steak. Watch that game. Uh, I mean, dry. You know, full swing came out. Um. I watched just the first episode of Full Swing. I actually have okay. even five minutes left uh, that I didn't get to finish this morning. Okay. Um, I watched three episodes. Wow. Yeah. Sam, pace yourself. Yeah, it's tough. Pace. I'll probably pace, finish it pace. tomorrow. No. Let's uh, let's let's get a little exercise here. No episode today. Nah. One tomorrow. I watch at least one a day. There's no way I'm going to have, like, no days where I don't watch it. Just space it out a little. What's the point? I feel like you don't really appreciate it. I, I just, I'll just watch it again. I'm anti-show binging. I'm good for, like, two episodes in a row. Maybe three episodes in a row. Uh, but I, I just feel like when you binge shows, you don't end up appreciating them. Like, it doesn't really build. It doesn't settle. You just keep clicking through it, and it's just all... Give me, give me, give me, give me, gone. You know, it's like. I think I just get so interested in it that I, I need to have another episode. Like you're not gonna sit there. You're not gonna go to, to Smith and Lewinsky's and 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 bring Joey Chestnut. You know. You're not gonna. I didn't understand that one. If you're going to Smith and Lewinsky's, you're not gonna you know competitively eat it. You're not just gonna eat your, your your nice steak and and meal as fast as possible. You're gonna, you know, cut a piece off, take a bite, enjoy it. Mm, it's good. I can feel the the flavor in my mouth. Let me cut off another piece. Is a TV show like that though? I think so. At least this one. I can just already tell. I don't uh, know. But the little so the little like minute and a half intro to the show before they hopped into the first episode. Yeah. It got me so fired up. Yeah. It had me ready to just, I wanted to watch every episode right then and there. I did. Exactly. But I'm going to pace myself. I watched the first episode, though. It was about Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Um, two big takeaways, really, from the first episode. The first being that, holy cow, golfers just wear golf polos everywhere. Yeah, I forgot to respond to that text this morning. I mean, they're just everywhere. I mean, why wouldn't you if you have, like, a thousand of them, probably? I don't know. Are they really that comfortable? Yeah. Like, the like ones that like they have, Like, a soft yeah. t-shirt would be comfortable. Like, I don't know. Like, they're just flying on private jets, and they just have, like, a tucked-in golf polo to khaki yeah. shorts. And they're just, like... At the gym. Pulling up to CVS, just, like, tucked-in golf polo, khaki shorts. At the yeah, at the gym. They're that's probably what I was, coming that's off what I really of like a practice like. round or something. Yeah, but that's when I was really starting to laugh. I was like, oh, it's just 
Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas working out in a golf ball. Yeah. I guess practice like you play, right? You know? You gotta be yeah, I don't comfortable. Know. Uh, yeah, just put weird. on a regular shirt for the gym. I agree. Like, uh, it was just <laughs> every single shot. I don't think we saw in the first episode Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas wear anything other than a golf polo. Yeah. And they showed him in plenty of non-golf places and just always had a mm-hmm. polo on. It just kind of made me laugh. I wonder if, if every golfer will be like that throughout the entirety of the series. I I did see some early reviews. The Tony Finau episode has been generating a lot of buzz. People have, have mm. said it's a very good episode, said that Tony Finau, really likable. I, um, as you guys know, am, am, am a massive, massive Tony Finau fan, my favorite golfer. I've bet on him every weekend for I don't even know how many years we're on at this point. This might be year five. Really? Yeah. Five years? I think we're on year five. That's a lot. Year four or five. I mean, I maybe somewhere in between. Are you profitable? I don't think so. No chance, right? I mean, he's won. Won a couple times, but. Th- he won a cu- So last year he won a couple and at some pretty good odds. So I did yeah, get the, some good money back. Yeah, it should you should make up your losses for a lot of months before that. Right. I don't think I'm still positive, like net positive, but like I, I'm, five I'm, years, I've gotten I can't closer. Think you are. Yeah. I, I think is there any golfer that you could be net positive on if you just bet them every single week? Like to win outright? Yeah. Uh it's a good question. Or is I don't that know. just was I predestined to just lose a lot of money i think you were predestined to lose a lot of money because like even if you pick one of the best players in the world like a rory or something like that he has worse odds i also he's not winning every week obviously one thing that does help me out five years ago i started off i would just put like five bucks on tony finau and then i would get to the point where i would put like 10 bucks on tony finau and, and then in the last like year or so i've been putting 20 bucks on tony finau and that's when I've hit three times. It was on those twenty buck bets. There you go. So So that might just be the you know, key. I was losing five and I was losing ten, but then I started winning with the twenties. Maybe. I, I still don't think I am. Uh other biggest takeaway is that I truly just have zero memory somehow of the PGA championship and that playoff with Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris and really? And Mito Piera just choking. Yeah, you don't remember that? I don't know how I don't. I don't remember. I don't know how you do either. That was like a amazing finish. Yeah. And it really is kind of bothering me that I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember the That's other... That's the one that, that Billy was at. Yeah. yeah. I remember the other uh, um, playoff with Willie Z that he won maybe that's why you forget it i think that might be it i mean like i remember it being in tulsa and i remember our friend billy going and i remember how exciting it was that his favorite golfer will zalatoris was was right there in contention and i remember justin thomas being out of it sunday morning and then all of a sudden it being like oh wait he's kind of in justin thomas is here (laughs) but i don't remember anything about Mito Pereira or anything about his choke. 
at all. Yeah. I, the choke kind of, I was like, man, I forgot that he had this bad of a choke. I remember that he choked, but I did. I kind of forgot myself that it was like, all right, he's stepping up on 18 with a chance to win this tournament type of thing. I, I did forget that. Um, no, but yeah, that first episode, great, great finish there. They do a great job of, of kind of encapsulating all that. Uh, yeah, I just saw Justin Thomas hit the putt to win it. Uh, and then that's when I turned it off. So I didn't get like the little like last five minutes or whatever. I'm trying to think. May nineteenth. What was what was happening that could have been so distracting? May nineteenth. May nineteenth. Could there have been some some baseball? There was something. We were playing Mississippi State in Starkville that weekend. I was supposed to go, and then it, and then it got canceled. But what what did I do instead that I don't remember the PGA Championship? I'm like it made me mad that I that I didn't remember it. It made me concerned for my like mental well being. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I figured it out. I I spent the entirety of that day, uh, that Sunday on the lake. Yep, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, spent the entirety of that day on the lake. It was uh, it was someone's birthday. How did you just figure that out so quick? I went to May nineteenth and went to my camera roll, and I have pictures <sighs> from the lake. That's a good one. Yeah, good. I'm, a, I'm a real sleuth. Yeah. Drive to survive, though. Very solid. Very solid. Very solid. I I mean, uh, I hope you watch. I wish you watched a couple more episodes. Cause Wait, did I just call it Drive to Survive? I'm going to yeah, do you that. Did. I'm probably going to just uh, keep doing that. Because we didn't know the name for so long that I just only referred to it as Golf Drive to Survive. Yeah, full swing is kind of weird. I, I don't think. like. I feel like that's the biggest miss. I think it could have a better a better title, maybe like four left. <laughs> I don't know. Four left. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that like that was their runner up. Four left. Yeah. Who knows. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll get back into Tennessee basketball. There it was, I mean, what what a day to talk Tennessee hoops, right? We've been through the ringer in the last two weeks or so. We're back. We're back. We made it through the darkness. We saw the light, and we 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 swam all the way all the way through the tunnel back out the Maybe other side. Maybe we haven't made it through the darkness. We'll make it through on Saturday. Did we make it through the wire. <laughs> I wish we had that song to play. For a chance to be with you. <laughs> oh man. Send us a break, Sam. Back here on the Blitz. So Tennessee. Alabama. I mean, where do you even start? I, I think first of all you just start this conversation by complimenting Jemai Meshack. Yeah. Correct. How 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 often in college basketball has there ever been a player that's had a night where he scored zero points on 0 of 4 shooting, three rebounds, two assists, three fouls, and he was arguably your most valuable player? Yeah. Yeah. 27 minutes last night. Probably could have played even more if he didn't get into in, in, into some foul trouble in the first half, but... We talked about it yesterday. Uh, you know, I think 
I, I kind of mentioned I brought up like, hey, Jemima Ishak, Brandon Miller. Like, that is a matchup that I was really kind of pretty excited about. I thought it could be a good one. I think Andy was kind of like, yeah, you know, I think we'll probably see like Olivier on him. But you ended up going with the smaller defender. And in case you didn't hear it on the broadcast when it was mentioned roughly – oh, you didn't actually hear this. No, I didn't. I've uh, heard Jay Billis was all over Brandon Miller, though. Jay Billis last – let there Did be you light. See that too? Yeah, yeah, light just came on in the studio. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, Jay Billis last night was not great. I don't know. He was, he just like had basic facts wrong, and like it didn't seem like he'd done much research, and he really liked Alabama. Uh, but one of the things that he brought up, roughly seven to twelve times, was the fact that Rick Barnes had talked about Kevin Durant and coaching Kevin Durant in college, and and the guys that bothered Kevin Durant more defensively were not the big guys. They were not the ones that can match him in stature. It was the guys that were, were, you know, a little bit smaller, but incredibly athletic and, and just relentless with their effort. Mm-hmm. Jemai Meshack was the perfect Brandon Miller stopper last night because, I mean, he was able to just stay with him all over the floor. He was still long enough to... Uh, not allow Brandon Miller to just go right over top of him. And he has he defends with the kind of effort that, um, I mean, is reserved typically for, like, <laughs> your life being at risk type activities. Like, he defends a, a possession uh, in, like, the first half in a in a two point game, the same way that like with the same intensity and effort as like someone trying to outrun an avalanche with like their life on the line. Like <laughs> it, it is incredible to watch him play defense, and he was, I mean, he was everything you needed him to be last night. Yeah, and I think a beautiful part about last night was that you 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 know you found a way to get it done without those two starters. You had Meshack playing some great defense and. You know, a non-factor offensively, but he made such a such a big def- a big deal uh, on the defensive side on Brandon Miller. He made him uncomfortable all night. You could kind of get in a groove, uh, you know, on the other end of the on the under the other end of the floor offensively. I think, and you know, like I think that was just a last night was a great a great uh, representation of just how this team can just make it work with whatever you got. You know, like sometimes it's not going to be pretty. You're not going to have everyone available. You're not going to, you know, play the perfect game all the time, but this team just found a way. They stuck together. They found a way. And that just felt like a tournament win last night. You know, that was just a yeah. that was just a gritty game. That felt you like get a lot out of, game last night. Yeah, you get a lot out of guys that you don't get, you know, like production from on the nightly basis. So I think that was a great a great thing to see guys just stepping up from all different parts of our team. I mean, it was the best anyone's defended Alabama all oh, season yeah. long Easily. by Easily. by a pretty substantial margin, and and you got really physical with them. You were physical at the point of attack. You were physical, really, with them outside the perimeter. You were physical with them away from the ball, and and it really frustrated Alabama. Uh, you know, it's it's a team that has not looked frustrated at all this season outside of that Oklahoma game. That Oklahoma game was the most physical a team had defended Alabama all year until now. Until now. Um, 
man, there's just there there really is just so much to say about this team though. Like you said, down two starters. That is a that's a win that is directly attributed to the culture mm-hmm. that has been created by Rick Barnes. For sure. Um you know, for all the knocks on Rick Barnes that that people have had, not myself, but people um you know, there's the Rick there's there's what keeps you coming around on Rick Barnes last night. First of all, just a, a beautiful game plan, beautifully coached game, a well executed game plan. Uh, I, I thought it was one of Rick Barnes' best coaching jobs, but you know, also most teams down two starters coming off of back to back buzzer beating three point, you know, threes to, to lose, uh, coming off of three losses in four games, and in that one win, you looked pretty bad. A lot of teams would continue to stumble. A lot of teams would yeah. continue the pitfall. You know, a lot of teams would not be able to recover from that, to get back up, and, and Tennessee did. And I don't even think they wavered. I, I don't think there was a second that this that this team wavered. And that's about the guys that, that Rick Barnes recruits. That's about the culture that he's established. That's about really, I mean, it goes all the way back to Grant and Admiral. Mm-hmm. It goes yeah. back to those teams, and the culture has been passed down from those seniors on to the next. You know, you, you had guys that kept staying on. Josiah, John Fulkerson, you know, Lamonte, they continue to kind of pass that culture down. It stays with Josiah. Then it ends up, hey, Santi, you know, Zakai, Uros, like that culture continues, and, and – you know, the guys in front of you continue to set an example for the new guys. And then those new guys become the example setters and so on and so forth. And I think a lot of programs would be envious uh, of what Tennessee has in terms of that department and the way that they've been able to create uh, such a strong culture of hard work and effort and selflessness um, and just really love for your teammates. Like, I... Last night, I think, was another reminder of, like, man, I really do love this team. Mm-hmm. Really do love this team just to see the way they battle, uh, the way that they fight. Um, and, I, you know, there's – I want to get into a little bit further, too, Rick Barnes' coaching job and, you know, some of the things that he did last night. Um, and we'll keep talking about this game further, obviously. Uh, but we'll catch a quick break right here. We'll kind of get reset from a time perspective and then – you know, we'll, we'll get a little bit deeper into things on the other side. Hey, Big Orange Chili phone lines are open, too, if you want to call in. Join us today, 865-546-8200. That's your number to call in. Again, 865-546-8200. Back with more on The Blitz next. Hey, Knoxville. This is Dr. Bree from Next. Love to see everyone hitting the uh, hitting the crane pose after mm-hmm. the win. Doesn't get old. Never gets old. And it's like, does Alabama care at all? Those basketball players care at all that you just hit that crane right in their face? No. no. They probably don't even care about the football team. You know, with anything, they're probably like, hey, we're the number one team around here. You guys didn't even make it to the playoffs. They didn't even do the, the crane team. like against us, really. Yeah. Well, they did it. They did it in the football game. But like, it was mainly. The Mechie Crane in the Auburn game when Auburn's student section was clowning him all game. Still love hitting the crane anyway. Still great. 
just a- any way that you can dunk on Alabama uh, is fine by me. But talking about Rick Barnes and the coaching job that 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 he did last night, you know, really, I think in the last year or two, he is he's come a long way as a coach. I think after that Oregon State loss. I think he finally let go of some of his past tendencies. I think he finally became a little bit more open-minded. Uh, you know, I think he became a little bit less stubborn, and he's involved a little bit more. My, like, I guess a little bit more of some outside minds, um, some some other influences, not directly from like his same ideology of coaching. You know, I, I think adding Greg Polinski in this past off-season was an excellent move. Uh, Greg Belinsky has helped add in um, some NBA sets, some NBA type stuff. I think that he has helped tremendously in the scouting department. You know, I, I think in terms of scouting and analytics, you know, that that's a big area of, of Greg Belinsky's focus. Um, yeah, I think that he's done an excellent job with the scouts this year. Tennessee, I, I had someone kind of ask me, I guess. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, what's Tennessee's offensive ideology? And I was kind of floored. You know, I was like, I don't, I don't really know. You know, I, I guess they don't really have an offensive identity. I, I think I've kind of figured it out. I think Tennessee's offensive identity is attacking your weakness. So sometimes it looks different on other nights than, than, it, than it will, you know, like last night. You know, mm-hmm. I. There are some things that are present at every game. Tennessee is going to get a lot of shots at the rim. Tennessee is going to screen away from the ball more than most teams in the country. Tennessee is going to take a lot of threes. You know, they're not going to take a lot of mid-range shots. They used to. They don't anymore. Uh, They've gone away from the mid-range stuff. But I think every game there's certain wrinkles that are put in uh, based on your scout, based on, on, on the opponent. Uh, and, and Tennessee is just so good at being versatile, at being like a dynamic offense. And well, dynamic, that doesn't necessarily yeah, sound that. great. Uh, dynamic in the sense that, like, they can they can run a lot of different stuff. You know, dynamic in the sense that, like, they can attack you in a lot of different ways. It's not always been successful this year. We, I don't need to tell you that. We, we can look at some scores and, and show you. But I think they do. I think at least from a process standpoint, uh, it's looked really good this year. You know, sometimes the execution is is lapsed, and I put that more on the players than Rick Barnes. Um, but last night, another excellent scout. Um, thought you did some things defensively that really, really just befuddled Alabama. Um, some of the lineups you went with were great. I thought you switched things up. You really tried to keep Alabama on their toes. At one point, you know, you switched to a zone, but you feathered out the wings. And you had Urosh feathered out to that, that that corner to try to stop the two, you know, the, those mm-hmm. three point shots, and and you essentially said, hey, we're gonna make your four and your five beat you to the rim. You know, we're we're, we're gonna make your four and the five to score two point baskets that are gonna be somewhat contested at and around the rim. Uh, it didn't stay in that that zone long, but you did just a little bit. You know, you just kept kept Alabama on their toes long enough and played physical enough. Um, that they really were not able to settle into any kind of rhythm the entire game. That was the most out of rhythm Alabama's looked this year. Easily, yeah. Uh, I mean, they only had a lead once in the game, I think. I don't know. Sounds I th- right. 
I think they only had a one-point lead in that game for once. Sounds so, yeah, I mean that sounds about right. So for, I mean, yeah, for the whole game, you you made them play your type of basketball that you were trying to play, which was and, something that I was very interested in at the start of the game with just how fast Alabama is in transition, everything. And you had to you had to to play it exactly the way you did last night mm-hmm. with no Josiah and no uh, no, no 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 Julian, Julian Phillips. Phillips and. I mean, again, it was the perfect coaching job. It was one of the better coaching jobs that we've seen from Rick Barnes. I also, um, I don't know if you noticed this at the game, Tennessee pre-switched a lot. Yeah, yeah. A ton of pre-switching. A ton. You found like Adu on point guards with like 22 seconds on the the shot clock. There was a lot of pre-switching. You also switched on a lot of inbounds. Mm -hmm. Led to a ton of turnovers. Alabama, A uh, a turnover machine. And... You know, I think we watch Tennessee, so we see the flaws each week, but we don't necessarily watch all these other teams and see their flaws. This is a deeply flawed year in college basketball. Every team, no matter how good or bad, is flawed. Some more than others, but Alabama this has had a turnover problem all year. You, you've been able to turn them over all year, and last night Tennessee took advantage. But 19. Um, 19 turnovers. And for, it could have been about 24. Yeah, for, for all – for all the clamoring for Nate Oates that we've seen here lately, which Nate Oates, don't get me wrong, one of the best coaches, one of the best coaches in all of college basketball, right, already. I'm not going to deny that, but I do find it somewhat ironic that the guy that we've been complaining about uh, outcoached the guy that we've been coveting last night. Pretty funny to me. Um, But I thought Rick Barnes... Excellent coaching job. Even more interesting, too, after the game. You know what he said? Hmm. He said it was maybe the best 40 minutes of defense that he had seen wow. in his entire career. Wow. Wow. That's a statement. I mean, that, that was, That's th- a statement. That, that was That's some a of statement. the best effort I've ever seen a team put forth. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some people knock the effort of this team. You could knock their shot-making ability. You know, that's fine. You can knock their shot creation ability. I, I would understand that. But if you want to knock this team's effort, go watch last night and, and, and quite honestly, shut up. Yeah, find a better take. Find, yeah, fi- find <laughs> something. Find, find a better take. Yep, find a better take. Ah, oh, man. Tennessee owns Alabama. Mm-hmm. Never get old. Mm-mm-mm. Big Orange Philly Phil. Big, I almost just said Big Orange Philly Phillies, but uh, which their Phillies are delicious. You should go check those out. Six six two five Maynardville uh, Pike up in, in halls, but uh, Big Orange Philly phone lines—they are open. Roberto's on the line. We're gonna catch a break, and then on the other side, we will wrap up the hour, going right to you, Roberto. So stay on the line with us. We'll be right back here on the Blitz. Wrapping up hour one by heading over to the big orange Philly phone lines where we got a call from Roberto. Roberto, you uh you having a good time celebrating on this Thursday morning? Well, it's a Dixieland delight of a morning, isn't it, gents? Amen. Yes, sir. Yeah, we should play that in every single sport every single time we beat Alabama in Knoxville. I don't care the sport. It could be rowing. I think we're don't going to. 
I think that maybe that's just kind of what we established with football. Like we're 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 taking our song back. You know, you guys can <laughs> keep playing it if you want, but the more you play it, the more it's gonna remind you of all the times you heard it after you got beat by the Tennessee Volunteers. Yep. Two things. One, Rick Barnes, uh, they absolutely outcoached Alabama last night. Now Alabama only does their thing. They still only shot one shot outside of five feet and inside the three point line last night. It's incredible yeah, it was, when you uh, think about that. It was. It was. Like, they're just not going to do it. Sears on the right side. Uh, there yep. was an aggressive closeout pump fake. Stepped inside and shot it, and that was. That he was actually made way. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> actually, that was right in front of me. Excuse me. So, as you can tell, I've lost my voice a little bit last night. It was uh, a little, little raucous in the in the TBA last night. It was uh, pleasant to see, you know, because uh, everybody. It's almost as if the fans are against the team, and the team seems to be a little bit against the fans. But I can tell you one thing as a fan of this team. They can be hard to watch, but I would rather play great defense, not great offense, and beat the number one team in the country by nine points than play outstanding offense and lose to a middle-of-the-pack, probably going to get in on the French Missouri team by one point and play great offense. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of a funny way to think of it, all mm-hmm. the complaints about offense. Well, you know what, I would rather score 80 points. And and then it is, yeah, you, well, you scored 85 and lost, and, and last night, you know, you scored in the 60s and, and beat the number one team. That is, that's funny. Um, I was glad, though, that the TBA was rocking last night. Because um, yeah. you're right, it had felt like we'd gotten to a point where there was a little bit of a divide between fans and players. And I think, I, I think that was still a pretty – pretty big minority of of the fans but it was a pretty loud minority um and and it was definitely i think something you could start to feel just you know whether you're around that that team or you were part of that team or you were part of this fan base so um yep and you know i i questioned if uh, a couple weeks back rick barnes was starting to lose the grip on the team lose the team a little bit but their effort even in losses has been outstanding so he has definitely not lost the team. So I'll shoulder that one as as a, as a falsehood. I was wrong there. Uh, but I would also say you, you said uh, the guy we covet versus the guy we you know maybe want to retire. I don't want to lose Rick Barnes. I don't want him to leave, and I don't want him to be fired. Uh, but in five seconds, I would take Nato as my coach. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I, he's I, young. I agree. Good. Yeah, but, I, I agree. You know what? <laughs> By the time our job comes open, because frankly, it should it should not come open unless Rick Barnes retires. Because we're a top ten program. I would argue right now in the nation, Tennessee is a top ten program. It is a destination job, and it's not really been that maybe ever before. Maybe around the middle of the Bruce Pearl era, but but not really since, and not before. Um, at least in modern era, okay. Uh, Nate Oates isn't going to be there for us when Rick Barnes retires because Nate Oates is going to the NBA. I hope he goes to the NBA. <laughs> Unless we can have him as our yeah. coach, right? Yeah, I, if it's if it's not Tennessee, I don't want it to be anywhere because again, I I think that Nate Oates is unbelievable. I sometimes he can you know get on your nerves a little bit, but I think that's why. In what way does he get on your nerves, Coach? I think that's something you love if he was your coach because he can be. Uh, a little bit of a jerk sometimes, but in like that, not. But he's really not. I think he's handled with all the crap. Sorry, with all the crap that's gone on down there this year, I disagree with that. In just 
consistently disagree with that. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't mean it in a bad way. You know, I think that there's like there's guys that are like, oh, he's a jerk. Like I hate that guy. And there's like guys that that who uh, says that? I've literally never heard that. Heard what? That he's a jerk. I mean, I've I, literally I just, never heard that. Like I, I just meant in the sense of like people could call like Baker Mayfield a, a, a jerk sometimes too for for some you know the way the way that I think he actually visibly enjoys winning and i think sometimes we we get on people for like visibly enjoying winning and celebrating and you know even kind of basking in it a little bit i think that nate oates does that to a certain extent and that can be annoying oh cool yeah like i did coach. last night when our players were doing the crane and we were all fired up I'm yeah not, I'm i'll not take all that i right could get now, Roberto. i'm I sorry I, I, well i'm just anybody who who has that perception of nate oates they can go to hell because that guy he's a decent human being He's handled that whole shooting situation down there with, I mean, just I don't even know how to explain it. The, the fact that they were ranked number one coming in here last night after something like that happening shows what kind of coach he is. Yeah. Period. I, we, are, we are on the same page in the sense that, like, okay, I think that Nate Oates is a great coach. I would very much want Nate Oates to be my coach. I was pointing out the irony in the fact that, like, he got out coached by Rick Barnes last night when we've been talking oh, he about, did. you know, wanting Nate Oates so bad, and and you know we can push Rick Barnes out for Nate Oates when there's been that conversation in the fan base. It was ironic, but I still agree with the notion. Like I would sign up for Nate Oates right now. Right. Yeah. Now. I mean, if Rick Barnes said in a week, you know, this is it. I mean, if I'm Danny White, I am marching my ass to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and saying. The job is yours. Yeah, anything you want. Please, sir, you can have it. <laughs> Just come. I mean, he's at like $5 million, Rick's at $6 million, But, I mean, you could – I would say – this sounds nuts. I mean, our football coach is making $9 million. By the way, hype. Hype's dropped some bills. Have you noticed this about hype? I think I think we've picked up on the hype train here. My man dropped some bills in the offseason. Have you noticed this? And he gains them during the season? I – I haven't noticed particular, like in particular. I guess I haven't really been looking for it either. But yeah, has, well, I mean, up, just look center. Up. He was the game, the hype man. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on that. By the way, he's like, he, he's like the Santa Claus of, of Tennessee offensive coordinating and call, and play calling. Yeah, the fatter he gets, the better he is. And then he trims down in the off season, <laughs> and and so on. It's like, just eat them milk and cookies, baby. Eat them milk and cookies, and draw up wide open wide receivers. Uh, uh, but uh, back to guys, I, I wasn't arguing either. I just said anybody who has that take on Nate Oates has not been paying attention to that guy. He's handled that situation with so much grace. Does he like winning? Sure. Does he not? Sell, does Rick Barnes not celebrate enough when he wins? I mean, probably. I, I don't mind being the bad guy. That's why I would bring him in because he already fits our culture. Uh, you know who else loves winning? Josh Heupel, and and we'll show you about it, right? You know who else loves winning? Tony Vitello, and he will let you know about it, right? Uh, Let's yeah, just embrace I mean, it across all sports. That's think, where I'm at. I uh, like. I, I was mostly just making the point. I mean, I, I think the same could be said for Tony Vitello. He's the kind of coach that if you have him, oh, you yeah. love him, and everybody else in the country probably hey, doesn't. You know, no, I, I hate him. Yeah, if, if he's not yours, you probably hate him. I think Nate Oates has some of those same tendencies. Yeah, I agree. But I'm just saying, again, so not to you, but to <laughs> anybody else who has a problem with that, you don't understand what winners look like. Right? So, guys, I hope you have an awesome day. Great show. Um, you know, not too much into the game other than 
We just out-toughed them. We tough-guyed those guys into oblivion. It was a, and and they noticed admitted it after the game. We just we just beat their ass. There's no other way to say it. More yeah. physical than the football game, arguably, <laughs> last night. Did uh did we lose you? I guess, I guess we did lose the the tail end of Roberto there as he was wrapping up. But always good to hear from you, Roberto, and I'm glad that you were there last night. The fact that you were losing your voice this morning is a sign of a good performance from you, uh, my friend. So, good job there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, again, just pointing out the irony more so than, than actually taking a shot at Nate Oates. Nate Oates is a great coach. Uh, I mean, there's not enough to be said about that. You can Proof is in the pudding at Buffalo. Proof is in the pudding at Alabama. Um, and who knows where Nate Oates will be. You know, who knows what the, the landscape in general of the the uh, coaching world will look like whenever Rick Barnes decides to hang it up. Who knows when Rick Barnes decides to hang it up? I mean, it could be uh, he could win a national championship this year and be like, all right, deuces, peace out, see you later. He could be around five years from now. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think five years probably is on the high end. I would think that would probably be about the max, but – you know, whenever Rick Barnes does retire, I, I'm in agreement with you and everybody else in the entirety of this fan base, it seems like. You hope that Danny White's prior connection with Nate Oates can pay some sort of dividends. You hope that maybe he's tired of a an Alabama program that would still, you know, an Alabama fan base that would still throw away your entire program for one more national championship in, in football. And you come to Tennessee for $10 million and – Anything else you could want in the world. Hopefully that's what happens whenever Rick Barnes leaves. But Rick Barnes, a damn good coach too. Damn good. And I agree, he does have this program in a place where it's a top ten program. I think this is a more desirable place to be by a long shot than Alabama. Not even close. You know, Alabama is desirable because of Nate Oates. Uh, And if he leaves... So does everything else with it. You know, Rick Barnes has gotten Tennessee to a point where uh, it, it, they can sustain, it can sustain itself with another mm-hmm. good hire after. Um, but Rick Barnes, a damn good coach, too, and, and last night he proved it. But hour one's done. We're up against it. Hour two is on deck. Stay with us here on The Blitz.